0: I'd like for us to think together uh, about understanding some of the dynamics of prayer. I, I like that part in the song we just heard where it said it's like a sweet fragrance to the heart of God when we go to Him in prayer, and that is so true. Proverbs 15:8 says, the prayer of the upright is His delight. And I want you to remember this as we're getting started in this subject this morning, that the Lord loves to hear from you. Uh, you you may say, well, you know, I've already took things to the Lord and I don't want to bother the Lord. I mean, these kind of things uh, float through the mind of people from time to time. But listen, the Lord wants to hear from us. He delights in hearing you. And you say, well, you know, it seems like I go to Him a lot with uh, requests, prayer requests. And, and I'm asking for things, and I'm asking before. And... But that's okay. Uh, as we will see when we talk again for a few minutes about the um, different kinds of prayer, the Lord delights to hear from us. It's like a sweet fragrance to the heart of God. I appreciate that line in that song so very much. And, of course, there are many invitations in Scripture for us to communicate with the Lord. Uh, Probably one of the most familiar is Jeremiah 33.3, where the Lord says, Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now, that's a huge invitation. Call to me and I will answer you. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, We have a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. And that's true. But the problem is sometimes people get to the place where they become very um, skeptical about whether or not God wants to hear our prayers, whether God wants to answer our prayers. And we're we're going to talk a little bit this morning about how we can... uh, put together thoughts from the Word of God that encourage us to go to Him in prayer and bring our needs and our concerns and other things to the Lord. Now, this is something else I want to do. Uh, I've done this a couple times before. I I want you to turn to uh, 1 Peter 4.7. I realize I ask you to turn to another passage. Um, 1 Peter 4.7. This is the passage that we will end with at the end of the message. So therefore, if the rapture takes place, you're going to have the closing verse of the message this morning. Before the rapture. 1 <laughs> Peter four 7. You'll notice Peter. Now I want you to remember who's writing this. Which, which apostle wrote this verse? Okay, 1 Peter 4.7 But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious-minded, be sober-minded, and watchful in your prayers. Now, I want you to notice who's writing it. It's Peter. And you see, he had to be taught by the Lord why it's important to pray and why it's important to be watchful in prayer. And we will come to that at the end of our consideration this morning. Now I did ask you to turn to John 14 verses 13 and 14 and uh, this was part of our scripture reading this morning John 14:13 and 14 the words of Jesus when he said whatsoever you ask in my name that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask anything in my name I will do it now that's a big promise <laughs> That's huge. And of course, when you take that promise, you have to always put it in the context of other Scripture. Remember the Apostle John says, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and we know that He hears us, and whatsoever He hears, He will do. But when we pray, it's got to be according to the will of God. Uh, When we're asking God to do things, we need to be saying like Jesus taught us in what's called the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I want your will in my life. So it's a great promise. Uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But also in fourteen, thirteen, and 14, we see the, the goal or the purpose of prayer. And uh, I'm going to touch on this at first right away. You'll notice that the text says, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. In other words, when we ask the Lord for something, we should be not only very serious about it, but we should be asking Him for something that He will get the glory for when He works in our lives. In other words, not something that I can walk away and say, well, here's something else you know, that I did. No, uh, we, we say, Lord, here's a request that I have. Here's something I would like for you to do for me. Or here's something, intercession, I would like for you to do for someone else in our family. Here's something I would like to see you do for at work, working amongst people. And you see, when the results come, you're able, even if you can't share it with someone else, you're able to say, you know, God was glorified because this worked out. Because I went to the Father in heaven and he accomplished this for his glory and for his purposes. I'd like you to glance at an Old Testament passage. Oh man, I love this passage. 2 Kings 19. 2 Kings 19. 2 Kings 19. This is a passage of Scripture which again brings out the truth of the fact that God works when we ask for things that bring honor and glory to Him. 2 Kings 19. In the context here, The king of Assyria, the king of Assyria, whose name was Sennacherib, was defeating one army after another and got to the borders of Jerusalem. And uh, the king sent a messenger to Hezekiah, the uh, Israeli king, the king of Judah, and said, now don't think that I'm not going to capture you because we've captured all the nations around you. And here you are uh, in the city of Jerusalem, and we're coming in to take over. Now, if you want to surrender, you can surrender. And the messenger from uh, Sennacherib said, By the way, all the gods, small g-o-d-s, of the nations around, their gods couldn't protect them, and don't think that your god could, can protect you. Whoa, he was taking on the wrong god. <laughs> the god who's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And um, so when um, Hezekiah got the word that Sennacherib was about ready to enter in and take Jerusalem, pick it up at verse 16. He prays to the Lord. 16, 19, 16. Two kings. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear, and open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach you, the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of man's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they destroy them. Now, therefore, O Lord, look at this prayer. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from the hand, His hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. He says, we need to be rescued, Lord. And when you rescue us, you're going to be glorified as the one who rescued us. We want the nations all around us to understand that you are the true and living God. You see, he's praying. He's asking for a huge request. It's huge. Armies are surrounding Jerusalem. Armies that have been very victorious. But Hezekiah says, Lord, we want you to be honored. We want you to be glorified. And so, did the Lord hear him? (laughs) Oh, boy, did he ever. 19, I love to read this passage of Scripture, 19, verse 32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city nor shoot an arrow. He's not even going to shoot one arrow there. Now come before it was so, nor come before it was shield nor nor build a siege mount against it. By the way he came, he shall return. He shall not come into the city, says the Lord, for I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Watch verse thirty-five. See how God answered it. Wow. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose in the morning, there were corpses and they were all dead. Wow. Was Hezekiah's prayer answered? Sure was. Why was it answered? It was answered because he said, Lord, I want You to be glorified and I want all the nations around to know that You are the true and the living and the living God, and it's amazing how many times God worked in the uh, on behalf of Israel in the lives of those kings who really sought the Lord rather than seeking alliances with other nations around them there's tremendous power in prayer, and you see this even in this incident and I'd like you to turn now we're going to be moving around in the Bible this morning. I'd like you to go over now to Philippians chapter uh, one verse nineteen. Philippians 1.19. Uh, We're focusing in now on the fact that there is tremendous power in prayer. And uh, we usually, when we think of the fact of power in prayer, we usually think of James 5.16b. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. There's power in prayer. Fervent prayer prayer that's given with the right motive that God has glorified. But look at this account here in Romans um, I'm sorry, Philippians 1.19 where we read the testimony of Apostle Paul who was in prison, in a Roman prison when he wrote this letter to the Philippian believers. He says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, watch this now, through your prayer and the supply of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I know that it's going to turn out. Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel. He believes he's got much more to do, but he's still in prison. But he says, I know that my deliverance, the deliverance that's going to come to me, is going to come as a result, and he says to the Philippian believers, as a result of your prayer. Wow! He's encouraging them to keep praying for him. He's not out yet. He's still imprisoned, And likewise, there are times when, you know, you say, well, you know, I prayed about this, and I don't really see the results yet that I would like to see. It doesn't mean that God's not going to honor your prayer. Uh, he honors prayer. And you've heard this many times. He doesn't always say yes to what we ask for. He doesn't always give us exactly what we ask for. But He does meet our need when we bring a request to Him that He might be honored and glorified. This is so clear in the text. I would like you to look again at the text where it says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance, Philippians 1.19, that through your prayer, see that? and supply the Holy Spirit. So that's why we need to be praying. That's why we need more to come and pray with us in prayer meeting at Louisville Bible Church as we continue to take upon more uh, ministries and uh, encourage more people to put their faith in Christ, as we support Someone Cares ministry, as we support our youth ministries, we need to pray because God does things in answers to our prayers. Very important. Listen to this testimony I found this week. This one's really interesting. It really is. I read this testimony of a woman who went and told her pastor what happened to her And you're going to say, when you hear this, wow. This is what she wrote in her journal. And she took her journal and she talked to her pastor and said, this is what God did for me in answer to prayer. This is really interesting. She said, I climbed up on a concrete ledge in my garage to prune some plants. Bad choice. (laughs) Stay off ladders if you're over a certain age like 65 A little bit of laughter on that not a lot I climbed up on a concrete ledge in my garage to prune some plants all of a sudden my foot slipped and I began to fall backwards The, the only time I ha- all I had the time to do was to put my hands over the back of my head and pray lord be with me All of a sudden, I felt as if I was floating. I landed on the concrete driveway as if I was landing on a soft pillow. I thanked the Lord for sparing me from broken bones and from what really could have been a fatal fall. Her pastor said, I truly believe the Lord sent an angel to protect you at that time. And sometimes amazing things like this happen in answer to prayer. I will never forget. Some of you remember um, Gordy Richards. Um, what's what's the mom and dad's name? Ted and, Ted and Kathy Richards got a phone call. He worked at a trucking company in uh, Denton, and he fell three stories down, holding on to a scaffold. And when I got the call, I said, I. I said, Lord, please spare this young man. Please. Now, I'm not going to give credit to the fact that I prayed. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But his family prayed. They called and they said, we're praying. We don't know what's going to happen. We we don't know what happened to him yet. Went to see him in the hospital by the time I got there. And Gordy's sitting in a chair. And he says, I'm doing fine. Who protected him? The Lord, yeah. The Lord protected them. Never forget it. Rest of my life. Quickly, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Why do we need to pray? Because we're involved in spiritual warfare. Galatians, Ephesians. Philippians. Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Verse 10. Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of witness in heavenly places. Drop down to verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Here's that watchfulness again. This is interesting. that the the Lord uses this terminology in Scripture. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Here's the point. We're involved as believers in spiritual warfare. Uh, There are the spiritual forces of evil in our world today. We are to not only put on the whole armor of God, which we love to study and consider, But you'll notice he says in verse 18 that we are to be praying always with all prayer, all kinds of prayer. Be praying. Why? Because it's necessary. Because we're involved in spiritual warfare. Now, I would like you to, again, use your Bibles this morning, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. These go together. Ephesians 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Pick it up at verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians ten, three through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You'll notice that he says, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. Not the things that people use in physical battles, in military conflicts. The weapons of our warfare, however, are and he goes on, he says they're mighty through God. What are the weapons of our warfare? Well the two primary ones are the word of God and prayer. So you begin to pray about something, you see things that you see things that you wish were not so, you see people who are moving away from God, and you begin to pray. Don't underestimate your prayers. Apostle Paul didn't underestimate the prayers of the Philippian believers. God works when we pray. He says the weapons of our warfare, even when there's spiritual conflict, to the pulling down of strongholds. What's a stronghold? Okay, let's get this nailed down. A stronghold is any area in our lives that we cannot control that's disruptive to us. In other words, if there's something in our situation that's pulling us down, we're to go to the Lord in prayer. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're mighty through God that are pulling down a strongholds. In other words, you could have a habit in your life and say, boy, I really need to get this out of my life. Well, you can do it when you go to the Lord in prayer. It's, it's very effective to go and, and find out what God will do. In fact, when... God is working in your heart and in your life. The next verse down tells us what God is doing. It says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, what the Lord does for you and for me... All right, let's say you have this stronghold. Let's say you have this uh, problem or this need. And you say, I want to get this out of my life. So you go to God in prayer and the Lord in turn works in your mind and thinking... And any arguments or things that would say don 't worry about that it 's okay if you do that. Uh, he works in our minds and our thinkings and allows us to take our thinking and turn it towards him and his will in our lives it 's a beautiful awesome verse it 's a verse we should never forget. Uh, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And what the Lord does, when you pray about things, He takes your thinking, and sometimes we need to change our thinking. We're thinking wrong. We may think wrong about somebody else. We may think wrong about ourselves. In fact, Satan's good at doing that. Satan's good at uh, causing you to think, well, you know, you're saved, but... You know, God's not really going to do some things for you. We have to remember who we are in Christ. We're His children. We belong to Him. Satan may come along and say, Oh, you know, don't don't expect too much from God. You're not doing all God wants you to do. Our thinking changes when we go to the Lord and, and say, Lord, there, there there's a stronghold in my life. There's something in my life I'd like you to change. And He'll do it. That's why we use the word repentance when, we, when it comes to being saved. You see, you may talk to a relative or a friend and I've had people in this fellowship tell me this and you say to your relative or friend, you know, you really need Jesus as your Savior. Okay, let's say you communicate that. You really need Jesus as your Savior. Well, Satan's going to come along and talk to them and say, you know, you know, they're just being religious. You don't really need Jesus. Who's more powerful? Christ is. So that's why we say, never be afraid to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit will take the gospel and touch the minds of people who need Jesus Christ. Now, the Word of God is very true. Uh, and it reminds us that Satan blinds the minds of those who don't believe lest the light of the gospel shines on them. And that's why I think sometimes when there are people you really want to be saved and they're not moving towards the Lord, you could pray this way, Lord, l- remove those blinders. Help them to see the beauty of Jesus Christ and that He really is the true Lord and Savior. Very quickly, and we'll tie it up and close in prayer. When you study the subject of prayer, when you get tied into the subject of prayer, when you start dealing with it in the Word of God, you see that there are four primary aspects for prayer. And usually they're thought of in terms of a, um, an acronym called ACTS, A-C-T-S. The first one is, and by the way, the, the longer you know the Lord, the more you're going to find that you're incorporating all four of these into your experience. You see, once in a while, I've heard a Christian say, "You know I keep asking God for things and I'm always asking for things. and I don't think the Lord gets provoked when we ask for things, but he does want us to start with A, which means adoration, acts, adoration. Adoration is prayer that is directed to God in which you praise and you thank Him for who He is. He is worthy of our praise. He desires to have a relationship with us. Remember the song that we heard sung this morning? It's like a sweet fragrance to the heart of God. when We go to Him in prayer. And so there's times when we really should. I I love that song, by the way, where we really say, Lord, You're an awesome God. You're an awesome God. And I don't have any prayer requests right now. But I just want to thank you that you are an awesome God. You're the true and living God. And I know you and I have a relationship with you.